The following message is brought to you by Morgan Hill Bible Church. For all things MHBC, connect with us on social media and check us out online at mhbible.org. I want you to think about the phrase, something better is coming. Something better is coming. And how you react to that phrase depends on a couple of different things. First, it depends on the believability of the person saying that. We know that a company, when they release a new product, they're going to say, this is the best one. Of course, they're going to say that. Which company have you heard say, actually, last year's model was better than this one, but we sure hope that you buy this new one. No, they're always going to tell you this one's the best. Not very believable to say something better is coming. We kind of expected that. Who knows if it is even better or not. Versus a mentor, a loving parent saying, hey, something better is coming. I know that this season of life is difficult, but something better is coming. Keep going. Keep pushing forward. I had loving mentors and my parents pour that into me over my years growing up. So valuable, so needed. So that impacts how you react to that phrase, the believability of the person telling it to you. The second thing that impacts how you react when someone says something better is coming is how much you like what you actually have. When cell phones started becoming a normal thing and just a part of everyone's life. I, I jumped on the bandwagon and I loved having a cell phone and, oh, wow, I'm walking around at school and I can call somebody. And, you know, I would even like call my friend that was like 20 feet in front of me just because I could, you know, like, <laughs> um, you know, to have fun with that. My dad hated him, hated him. You know why? Because he loved landlines because those things stayed put. And if he wanted to be reachable, he would be close to a phone. And if he didn't want to be reachable, he would go away from the phone. And that's just how he rolled. He liked what he had. He didn't need this something better that was coming. He didn't need those cell phones. Now, eventually he got one. But still, like, he would say, no, I prefer landlines. That's just my dad and how he operates. This whole concept has been so much fun to do with my kids something better is coming. Because when they were younger, my kids are now 14, 12, and 10, but when they were younger, you know what was the best food in the world? McDonald's cheeseburgers. Oh, dad, these are, can we go to McDonald's again? No. They wanted to always go to McDonald's because McDonald's cheeseburgers were the best. And I would tell them, you know, there's things that are better than McDonald's cheeseburgers. Uh-uh, dad, no way. And then I took them to in and out And they're like, oh. I'm like, yeah, see? Something a little bit better, right? And then as they got older, I gave them steak for the first time. And they're like, okay, hold the phone. Like, now we're rolling here. Better, right? When I was 19, I found out that the girl that I had been pursuing for years saw no future for us together. And I was absolutely heartbroken. My best friend at the time came up to me and he said, Ben, God will always give you exactly what you want or something better. Now, granted, God's idea of better is often different than ours. But in that moment, I was like, nah, like that's impossible. 
not going to happen. That girl, I mean, I tell you, I didn't believe him. A few months later, I met Laura, who's now my wife of 17 years. Yeah. (laughs) Something better is coming. Jesus said this to his disciples. I'd invite you to open up in your Bibles to John 13. Also, a lot of the verses we're going to be looking at are going to be up on the screen or in the worship guide that you were given when you came in. John chapter 13. At this point in the book of John, uh, Jesus has already been walking with his disciples for three years. And they've developed relationship. They've gotten to know each other. They've spent every day together. And so the intimacy of their relationship has gone deeper and deeper every day for three years doing life together. And so now they're sitting and they're having this meal. And Jesus says in John 13, 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. You're leaving and we can't go with you? Whoa, what's going on there, Jesus? What are you doing? Now, in this discourse, he talks a lot about him leaving. But one thing that Jesus says stands out. John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. So Jesus is saying that something better is coming. Someone better is coming. Now you and I know that Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And during this discourse, he shares with his disciples why his departure and the Holy Spirit's coming is that something better. He tells them what the Holy Spirit will come and do. So this morning, we're going to take a look at that. We're in our fifth week in this series on the Holy Spirit. And our title this morning is The Work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at what Jesus told his disciples. Now, what I always find interesting is the disciples' reactions to what Jesus says. Because oftentimes Jesus tosses out some really difficult things, and then you watch the disciples wrestle with it and deal with it. Same thing here. We don't get a lot of insight into their reactions, but we see them ask a ton of questions. And you know what that shows? Doubt. They're not totally bought into what Jesus says. Remember, one of the things that impacts how you react when someone says something better is coming is the believability of the person saying that to you. And they're wrestling with believing Jesus. John 14 says, John 14, 10 and 11 Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The works that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on the account of the works themselves. He's telling them to believe because they're wrestling with believing him. They're also wrestling with believing him because they don't, understand what he's saying. What he's saying doesn't make sense to them. Dad, it's impossible that there could be something better than a McDonald's cheeseburger. I don't buy it. They're wrestling with that belief. 
They also really like having him around and they've been used to that for three years, every day with him. In John 13, 37, Peter says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And in John 16, 6, Jesus says, because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. I've been talking to you about leaving and you're sad because of it. So the disciples wrestle with this idea that there could be something better than having Jesus physically with me. And what's beautiful is that we see the disciples wrestling with that and it gives us space to wrestle ourselves. Maybe you wish that you could have Jesus right by your side, forgetting that the Holy Spirit is always with you. Or maybe you forget that the Holy Spirit's working on your behalf and you try to take the work on your own. I gotta get this done. Hold on, the Holy Spirit's there to help you. Maybe you just need a reminder that it's not about you. So my encouragement is to let this morning bring you back to the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't let him be the forgotten part of the Trinity. Now the works of the Holy Spirit we're covering today are not by any means an exhaustive list. Already in our series, we've discussed that the Holy Spirit seals our salvation, that he prays for us, that he fills us, that he gives us gifts. Today, the focus is on the specific works that Jesus pointed out and how each one is better than having Jesus physically stay on the earth. Now, we already read one verse that mentions this, but there's two others in our passage that use a title for the Holy Spirit. And the title is helper. And that word in Greek is also translated as advocate, counselor, comforter. And the goal of this title is to help us understand the Spirit's role. And yes, the Spirit is all of those things. He's a helper, he's an advocate, he's a counselor, he's a comforter. But none of those fully encapsulates all of what he does. It's like me asking you to describe your best friend, but you get one word. That's tough, right? Because no one word is gonna fully encapsulate everything that that best friend is. Just as the same here, this one title, this one word is giving us an insight into who the Holy Spirit is, but isn't that box that entirely contains him. The Holy Spirit is so much more than what any one word could try to portray. In fact, let's look at the three works of the Holy Spirit that Jesus shares with his disciples and see all that the Holy Spirit is. We begin in John 14, looking at verses 15 through 17. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. There's that word helper. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The first work of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is with us always. The Holy Spirit is with us always. And if you like filling in blanks, those are your first blanks to fill in. The Holy Spirit is with us always. Michael mentioned this in week one of our series. And this concept is huge. He's with us always. Here's a couple of verses Michael tossed out that are just so good, we need to toss them out again. 
1 Corinthians 3.16, or do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Whoa. Therefore, logic brain, therefore, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you are truly never alone. You're never alone. Now, you may feel alone at times, but the more you get to know the Holy Spirit, the more you will be aware of his presence with you. The Holy Spirit is with you always. He provides you with wisdom. He gives you words to say at the right time. Many times this has happened to me where I'm in a conversation with someone and I have no clue what to say as they're talking about this or saying something. I, I just don't know what to say and I pause. He goes, Spirit, you've got to help me here. And something pops to mind and I say it. Those words are not my words. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through me. That's not my wisdom. That's the Holy Spirit giving me wisdom in those moments. People will pop to mind. We talked about this a little bit last week, but people will pop to my mind. And what do I do? I call them. And so many times has it happened that I call that one person and they go, Ben, you have no idea how badly I needed a phone call from a friend today. And they tell me what's been going on in their life. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not me being a wizard with my 21st century Rolodex and just going, this is the right person to call now. No, that's me listening to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit being with me. The Holy Spirit provides you with supernatural comfort and peace in the midst of difficult circumstances. Jesus says later in this discourse, John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, one of my favorite passages in scripture, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. I'm sure maybe you've felt that peace of God before. In the midst of just a really difficult circumstance, a really difficult time. It's happened to me before as I've dealt with just really challenging circumstances and just felt peace when I should feel chaos. When I should be losing my mind or freaking out, I'm able to have just a sense of peace. Why? Not because I'm calm, cool, and collected. I'm not. But the Holy Spirit is there with me, giving me that peace. Just last week, I went and visited a dear friend in the hospital. And she's been through a lot and has been on death's door multiple times. And I walk in and she's full of smiles, full of joy. She talks about how blessed she is. And I'm, do, do you see where you are? How can you be saying things like that? Because the Holy Spirit has given her 
supernatural peace and comfort in the midst of difficult circumstances. I think I left after that visit more encouraged by her than she did by me, just because of how the Holy Spirit's working in her and giving her just this supernatural peace. The Holy Spirit is with us always. And who's that us? Jesus mentions it. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The Holy Spirit is with those who love God, with those who keep his commandments. And the reason this is important to catch is that there's no arrogance around this. No arrogance around this. If you love God, it's because of his gift to you. It's not your own doing. This is part of the Holy Spirit's work. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one can boast. The fact that the Holy Spirit is with you always is not because of you. It's not like you get to pat yourself on the back. Look at how good I am. I got the Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit's there because of the Holy Spirit's work, because he's the one pursuing you and coming after you. This is the Holy Spirit drawing us to him. There's no arrogance around this. There's also no fear. We don't need to be afraid of falling out of God's love. He is the one that drew us to himself. The Holy Spirit is with us always. He seals your salvation. You're adopted as sons and daughters. This is a status that never changes. This is a significant change from the Holy Spirit's presence in the Old Testament. He would pop in a little bit, do some work, and then leave. But after Jesus went to heaven, the Holy Spirit came and indwelt people and stayed put. The Holy Spirit is with you always. And remember, I talked about how the Holy Spirit coming is that something better, better than Jesus being here physically. Why? Well, Jesus couldn't be with his disciples always. When he was on earth, he was limited to a physical body that couldn't be in multiple places at the same time. There were times when Jesus went off by himself, wasn't with the disciples. There were times when he went off with just a few disciples. The other disciples weren't there. His ministry was limited to the area around the Jordan River. And so we, would, we could want to have Jesus with us. Man, I would love it if Jesus showed up at my school, if Jesus showed up at my work, Jesus showed up in my home. Maybe some of us wouldn't love that. I don't know. Uh, but... We could want that, right? Oh, I would love to have that. But then how do we decide who gets Jesus for the day, right? Here's the beautiful thing. We've got the Holy Spirit. He is fully God and he is fully with us every single day, everywhere we go. We don't need to argue over him or fight over him. He's with every single one of us. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, We have the Holy Spirit who indwells every believer around the globe. So the first work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus shares is that he's always with us. Now let's take a look at John chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. John 16, verses 8 to 11. Jesus says, And when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. 
Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. We just saw that the Holy Spirit draws people to himself. These next two works of the Holy Spirit are partly how he does that. First, the Holy Spirit convicts the world. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. Jesus here mentions three different convictions, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And the Holy Spirit's working in both Christians and non-Christians in all three of these areas. So let's take a look at each three just briefly. First of all, the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. And I think this is the one that we're usually the most understanding of or recognize the most. You know, maybe some of you are thinking right now of Jiminy Cricket, you know, always let your conscience be your guide. You know, that little thing that's around, you know, ah, don't do that, ah, don't do that. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit, right? No, the Holy Spirit's so much more than that. Don't limit the Holy Spirit to a cricket, please. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Each one of us has felt the pangs of guilt, has felt the weight of conviction, And when that comes, we can either choose to respond to it or we can learn to ignore it. The more I respond to the conviction I feel about sin and the more I read scripture and understand how God wants me to live, the more I become like Christ. But the more I learn to ignore the conviction of sin, the more I quiet the voice of the Holy Spirit and the farther I walk away from him. Those inner promptings, that gut feeling is there to help steer you away from the consequences of sin. The Holy Spirit is there to be a helper. He's there to help you avoid the consequences of sin, avoid sin in the the first place, but also to avoid the consequences of it. When my oldest son was about three years old, he loved jumping on the couch in our living room. Well, the problem is that there's a coffee table close to the couch. So he'd go in and he'd start jumping on the couch. And I'd say, son, don't jump on the couch. If you jump on the couch, you're going to fall off, hit your head on the coffee table and split it open. Oh, okay, dad. Next day, he's jumping on the couch. Son, don't jump on the couch. If you do, you're going to fall off, hit your head on the coffee table and split it open. Oh, okay, dad. And again, He's jumping on the couch, and again, I'm reminding him. And again, he's jumping on the couch, and again, he's, I'm reminding him. And one day, I'm hearing jump, jump, boom, thud. <laughs> oh, Micah, what happened? Uh, I was jumping on the couch, and I fell off and hit my head on the coffee table. And he's got a huge gash split right open on his forehead, blood coming down. See, son, aren't we like that sometimes though? With the Holy Spirit? Hey, 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 don't do that. That's not what you're supposed to be doing. If you do that, this is gonna happen and this is gonna happen. Okay, sorry, God. Sorry, Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll, I'll listen. And then the next day, hey, what are you doing? Didn't we have this conversation yesterday? We continue to go back. We continue to go back. But you know the beauty of the Holy Spirit? He's always with us. And so he's gonna continue to convict us. Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. 
in Luke 22, here, uh, Jesus has been arrested and Peter's kind of following along. And it says, and this passage gets me every time. After about an interval of an hour, still another insisted saying, certainly this man was also with him for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Jesus was close enough that he could see Peter. Peter could see him. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Jesus convicted his disciples of their sin. He called them out, but he wasn't with them all the time. And so he couldn't always do that. And the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that he does the same thing, but he does it constantly. And so when you find yourself sometime where you're finally alone and no one else is watching and you can do that thing that you've wanted to do all day and you know you shouldn't, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's watching and he's that voice that's telling you, don't do that. He's there convicting you of sin. Without this conviction, I'll continue to excuse or rationalize my way of living. I need this conviction because on my own, I will continue to choose to sin. Romans 3.10 says that none are righteous, not even one. So the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. The Holy Spirit also convicts the world concerning righteousness. Where the conviction of sin is steering away from what's wrong, the conviction of righteousness is steering towards what's right. So I need to lean on the Holy Spirit to help me choose what's right. Remember, on our own, we're choosing sin. We need the Holy Spirit to help convict us of righteousness. Without that conviction, I'll continue to live with the mindset that righteousness is my responsibility. I will try and I will fail. I will eventually give up due to continued failure. I need this conviction, the conviction of righteousness, because on my own, I'll choose to sin. And so the Holy Spirit is not just pulling us away from sin, but pulling us towards righteousness. Third, the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning judgment. Concerning judgment. The conviction of judgment is focused on how we treat others. Are we offering grace the same way that Jesus has offered us grace? Are we forgiving as we have been forgiven? Or are we quick to judge? In Hebrews 10, it says, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He convicts us concerning judgment. And without this conviction, I will judge based on my own personal standards instead of on God's mercy. And I need this conviction to help me see people the way that God sees them. 
The Holy Spirit convicts us of all three of these. He pulls us away from the things we shouldn't be doing. He points us to the things that we should be doing. And he helps us see people the same way that God sees them. He helps us to judge people in the same way that God does, to not be quick to judge, but rather to be quick to extend mercy, forgiveness, and grace, because that's what he does with us. So you need to listen to the Spirit. He's telling you this all the time. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit with you, and he's constantly telling you this. But if you're filling your mind constantly with other things, if you're allowing yourself to be distracted, if you haven't learned how to pay attention to the Spirit, how are you going to hear when he's telling you to knock it off? How are you going to hear when he's telling you to go this way? How are you going to hear when he's telling you to give that person an extra dose of grace because they desperately need it today? You need to be able to listen to the Spirit Dive into God's word, read it every single day because you need the reminders every single day. And when you face a difficult situation or decision and you're not sure something is right or wrong, pause. Don't act, pause. Pray and listen to what the spirit is trying to tell you. And after all of that, then act. The Holy Spirit is working hard to try and make you more like Jesus. So pay attention to him. Listen to him. Let's look at the third work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus points out. John 14, verse 26, and then we're gonna jump to 16. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then in 16, starting in verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The third work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus mentions is that the Holy Spirit guides us to truth. The Holy Spirit guides us to truth. He gives us understanding. He teaches us all things, it says in chapter 14. On our own, we can't understand scripture. Recently, I was reading scripture with a friend of mine who didn't grow up in the church and who isn't a professing Christian And as we read it together, he wrestled with it. He couldn't understand it. Why? Because he didn't have the Holy Spirit helping him understand it. The understanding we get about God's word begins with the Holy Spirit. What I'm sharing with you today is not my wisdom or my words, but this is the Holy Spirit's wisdom that he's given to me and I'm sharing with you. This isn't me. This is the Holy Spirit. I'm not some wise guy that's in here going through all of this. I I am a wise guy, but you know. (laughs) This is the Holy Spirit that's given wisdom. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. The Holy Spirit also brings to your remembrance 
all that Jesus has said. Boy, do I need this. He guides us to truth. Maybe you've had this experience where you're meeting with someone and they're talking about something and a verse comes to mind and you feel like you need to share it with them. The Holy Spirit is reminding you of something that Jesus said. You're meeting with someone, a verse comes to mind. That, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. If you're starting to do something wrong and you're reminded of what Jesus said, you know what that is? The Holy Spirit. When you feel like God doesn't care and you're reminded of a way that he's provided in the past, you know what that is? Come on. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit. There we go. All right. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit. When I was a senior in high school, I was wrestling with my faith. And there came a point where I was just so fed up. I was angry with God and I had asked him to do things and he hadn't followed through. And so I was just upset. And I got to the point that I said, that's it, I'm done. I'm done with Christianity. I'm done with my faith. There is no God. And a verse popped into my head. Psalm 14.1. You know what it says? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know who that was? The Holy Spirit, right? That was the Holy Spirit giving me that wisdom that I needed. Anytime there's a verse, an attribute of God or a story of his faithfulness that pops into your head, that is the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, all of this Jesus did for the disciples. He gave them understanding. He reminded them of things he said. And the Holy Spirit does this for every believer around the world. Every believer around the world. Now, finally, uh, and I just want to take a moment to talk about this because it says that he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, pushes you in a direction. He's not going to give any new truth, but he's going to point back to the truths that we already have. There's no second edition or third edition coming to the Bible. There's no additions, things that are going to be added. This is complete in the word of God. This is the entirety of the word of God. And so when someone comes and says, I've got a new word, I've got some more, we need to add another book to this, that's not it. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. He points us back to the truths that God has given us. The Pharisees and Sadducees were really good at this, where they would see a law that people were struggling to follow, and so they'd add on a couple extra laws to make sure that they would follow those laws. And then you'd have to follow those laws as well as the laws that were actually there. But see, they're adding to scripture instead of letting scripture be scripture. Last week, we talked about how to know how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. And the Holy Spirit guides us in different ways and at different times. And so when the Holy Spirit, when you feel like the Holy Spirit is guiding you or directing you, start with scripture I feel like the Holy Spirit is is telling me I need to share the gospel with this person. Yeah, that's in scripture all the time. You're good to go. But when there's other things or specific details, 
And it, the spirit doesn't speak specifically to that. I need to work at this specific location. Um, I need to uh, go to this specific place. When I was a youth pastor, uh, the, the guys in my youth group, I need to date this specific girl. And the Holy Spirit's telling me, mm, what did she say? She's not interested? Yeah, that's not the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's your inner desire, right? You know, and trying to throw something spiritual on top of that. Knock it off, right? I've had moments where I felt like the Holy Spirit was prompting me to go somewhere to do something and then found out later that I was totally wrong. And so I've learned to come with just open hands, to come with a posture of humble surrender. Okay, God, I feel like you're telling me to go this way. I'm gonna start marching in that direction, but please make it clear to me because I'm not holding this as scripture because it's not. I'm just gonna start walking in that way and I'm gonna try to be obedient. And I recognize that I might be wrong. And sometimes we are wrong. Why? Because we're imperfect. We have a hard time sometimes separating what we want from what God has for us. And so we need to come with open hands and be ready to hear anything from the Spirit. Friends, I hope that this has been helpful to you as we've looked at the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus shared with his disciples, that he's with us always, that he convicts the world and he guides us to truth. And so here's your action item for today. Look for the Spirit. Look for the Spirit. When you see something that the Spirit's doing, call it out. Holy Spirit! There it is. Do it with your friends. They'll get a kick out of it. But call it out. The more you start calling it out, the more you'll recognize the Holy Spirit's work. Call those things out. Share with others how you've seen the Spirit moving. Share with them some stories where you've seen the Spirit step in. And take an extra second in difficult situations to listen to the Holy Spirit. We've been given something better. We've been given the Holy Spirit that's with us always. Don't miss it. Pay attention to him. He's drawing you closer to him every single day. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for always being with us. Thank you for continuing to guide us to truth, for continuing to remind us of the words that we need, of the words that we've spent time reading, tried to memorize. God, we need you guiding and directing us every single day. Holy Spirit, make us aware of your presence. As we're about to sing right now, let us become more aware of your presence. We need to see you today. May you make yourself perfectly and painfully clear to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. Continue the conversation with us on social media. Never miss a message and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.